to a very special early version of the world in 30 minutes for 2022 this is the podcast on the events policies and ideas that will shape the world from the european council on foreign relations my name is mark leonard but this week we're not just going to talk about the events policies and ideas that will shape the world in general we're going to talk about the future of 2022 and what happened in 2021 it is one of the most popular episodes we do every year, and it's one which I'm particularly thrilled to be doing yet again with Jeremy Shapiro, who is the research director at ECFR. And every year we start by looking back at the 10 predictions that we made for the preceding year and then look forwards in our crystal balls at the what the forces and events that will shape the upcoming year are going to be. So why don't we, Jeremy, go back for our traditional reckoning. One of the greatest things about this exercise is the fact that we get to mark our own homework every year and find that we did really well in our crystal ball gazing in the year before. So let's go back to 2020 and and the things that we said then. How do you think we did this year? We did amazing. Uh, We're practically we're um, verging, I think, on clairvoyance, which is uh, quite extraordinary. We should probably try to make this a uh, part of our uh, of our living, particularly if we can grade it ourselves. But anyway, let's go through the predictions, and you can see uh, the audience can see how we graded them and whether they agree. And we are, we would be open to um, people with dissenting views about whether we were right or wrong, and we will definitely file that away for next year. So our first prediction from last year was that. The new President Biden would fail to usher in a period of bipartisan comedy in D.C. And uh, I think uh, pretty much everything that happened last year demonstrates that um, the polarization has been as deep as it ever was. And Donald Trump is still out there claiming that he won the last election. This may seem like it was an easy prediction, but of course, the entire subject of Biden's inaugural speech was that he would be able to do this. And it hasn't it hasn't worked. So our second prediction, not quite as successful as the first one. We said that the EU would step up its struggle with Poland and Hungary and gain concessions on rule of law issues. And we kind of were sort of right. The first half was definitely right. The EU did step up its struggle with Poland and Hungary. It didn't greenlight Poland's national recovery plan before the end of 2021 because of the unresolved issue of the breakdown of of independent judiciary in Poland and Warsaw's refusal to implement the the ruling of the Court of Justice of the EU from the 15th of July. And uh, Hungary uh, has also been in a a state of Cold War with EU institutions throughout the year. However, as those things show, the EU failed to get concessions on the rule of the law issue. So we're giving ourselves half a mark for that. Our third prediction was that the US and Iran would fail to return to the Iran nuclear deal, but that the effort to find that uh, a return to the deal would continue. And uh, this was precisely correct. There were a lot of negotiations throughout the year in various phases. They broke down for a period of five months, but they recently restarted again. And now there is yet again optimism uh, that a deal will be struck next year. So we'll have a prediction about for, for next year. It turns out that the secret to the prediction business is keep is to keep predicting that things won't happen. And you can get that. You can get a point for that every year. And in the meantime, if, if it goes wrong, you can get at least half a point, which is what we seem to be getting on the ones that I'm marking, which is our fourth <laughs> prediction. 
It's a total coincidence, Mark. <laughs> China tones down its wolf warrior stance and begins a new charm offensive based on climate issues. Unfortunately, China hasn't really done that. It's done a bit of kind of tactical toning down of its wolf warrior stance in some areas, but there have definitely been some new rows, not least the escalating one with Lithuania at the moment. But at the same time, China did do a sort of mini charm offensive on climate, which culminated in a deal with the US at COP26. So what we will do is give ourselves half a mark for that. Excellent. Uh, Our fifth prediction was that uh, Europe and North America would experience a strong post-coronavirus economic recovery, but that the developing world, Russia, Africa, Latin America, would lag behind in the recovery and in controlling the virus. Here, we're also giving ourselves a half a point. It's very clear that Europe and North America did experience a very strong economic recovery uh, and that the developing world did lag behind in that economic recovery in 2021. But none of them, neither Europe nor North America nor the other parts of the world, um, managed to control the virus. And it's still, I think this is what we principally got wrong, it's still with us here today. Uh, So again, I guess we'll have to predict this again for next year. And our sixth prediction was that Europe would push for strategic autonomy and use this push to, to help reconstruct a more balanced transatlantic relationship. And we're going to give ourselves a full mark for that because not only was there this continued push for strategic autonomy. But the transatlantic relationship, I think, has become a bit more uh, balanced, partly because of what the Biden administration have done with its its push for AUKUS, its withdrawal from Afghanistan, which has has both strengthened the desire of, of many European countries to at least work out ways of hedging against uh, US withdrawal, but also because uh, in order to undermine un- undo some of the damage which um, AUKUS in particular created, the US has, has now begun to, to respond in a more positive way to the idea of European sovereignty and strategic autonomy, signing on to, to European defence projects, discussing the defence industrial base for the first time with the EU in a more cooperative framework. Our seventh prediction was the very daring one that the EU, the US and the UK would all apply to join the CPTPP, the uh, Comprehensive Partnership for Trade and Investment in the Pacific. The UK, in fact, did uh, in February of 2021 formally apply apply to join the CPTPP. Uh, The US and EU did not, although the EU is considering it. And so we should probably give ourselves a third of a point on this. But we're not very good at fractions, so we're uh, we're rounding up and giving ourselves a half a point. The eighth prediction was that Lukashenko, the dictator in Belarus, would stubbornly cling to power but lose autonomy to Russia. I think we deserve two points for that, really, but we'll have to stick with one because because uh, we're so fair-minded. Yeah, it's tough to be fair-minded, but I think it's probably the appropriate thing. Uh, We're going to have to do that again on this one because we predicted uh, for our ninth prediction that the US and the UK would fail to conclude a trade deal, but they would continue to both assert that they have a special relationship. Of course, the latter part was almost guaranteed from the beginning, but in fact, there were quite a few predictions that the US and the UK with the new Biden administration would conclude a trade deal. But in fact, they didn't get anywhere close. The Biden administration ruled it out quite early in the year. And uh, there have been no talks toward a US-UK trade deal. And our 10th prediction was that COP26 would produce a lot of hot air, but not much else. Given that their idea, which 
the negotiators were proudest of was that they would get to to meet again a year later to work out that things were happening. I think that they agreed with our prediction as well. Yeah, it's always a bad sign when the president of the conference uh, cries during the final sum up of the results. Our bonus prediction was that Trump would get his Twitter account back. Uh, And by bonus prediction, we mean that we don't really expect it to be true, uh, but uh, we're kind of hoping it will. And we'll claim credit for if it is, but won't take the hit if it isn't. And so this one definitely wasn't true. After it, I was sort of surprised that Trump didn't get his Twitter account back in part because it's hard to imagine a world. It was hard to imagine a world last year without Trump on Twitter, but we've gotten used to it and he has no Twitter account and it doesn't appear that he's ever going to get it back. Not only that, but I think Marjorie Taylor Greene has lost her Twitter account as well. So there's an epidemic of, of purveyors of fake news losing their, uh, their Twitter accounts. Yes, but I think people are rushing to fill the misinformation void, so it will be okay. So if you add all that up together, Jeremy, you're uh, our mathematical genius. How many points do we get? We got eight out of 10 points, which, as I said, is uh, practically clairvoyant. Because last year we only got six. So we're doing better year on year. I don't think it's that we're doing better. I think that this was a better year. Okay. Right. Well, finally, it's living up to our predictions. Or down. Given that our predictions weren't all very positive. Depends on your perspective. Okay. So that was 2021. And we're now going to spin our our crystal ball. I don't know what we do with a crystal ball. Shake the crystal ball. Do you shake it? Is it like one of... I think you peer into it, Mark. Okay. We're going to peer into our crystal balls and see the outlines of 2022. Jeremy, when you look into your ball, what do you, what's the first thing that, that crops up in your, in your range of vision? The first thing is a very dark cloud that uh, the Democrats in the US will lose at least one house of the Congress in the November midterm elections. This is really consistent with the historical pattern. The incumbent US party uh, usually takes a drubbing in the midterm elections. Uh, and I think the Democrats are on track to uh, lose probably both houses, but at least one. And that this development is really going to bring Joe Biden's legislative a- agenda to a halt. But I think it's important to understand that um, it won't be the end of his presidency, as many people will declare when it happens. Uh, he will have a lot of opportunities to use the executive functions. And particularly, he'll probably turn to foreign policy while he rails against the Congress that does nothing. Our second prediction is that talks on the European security order with Russia will open up and that there will be no large scale invasion of Ukraine. This is something which goes against the conventional wisdom in lots of different places. There has not just been lots of strong hints from Moscow that Russia will invade Ukraine, But for months now, troops have been building up on the border and the transatlantic community has gone into overdrive, working out how to deter Russia from from going ahead with that and and how to manage this impending crisis. Our conclusion is is that the uh, invasion will probably be at least delayed and that these negotiations on the future of the European security order will be enough for Putin to claim some sort of victory. Uh, That doesn't mean that the Russian troop concentrations on the border and the military threat will disappear. They will persist. They will loom over the West like a Slavic sort of Damocles. And um, we're not 
saying that uh, we might not come back to this topic in our predictions for, for 2023. But um, our hope is that the prospect of a much uh, wider, large-scale invasion of Ukraine will not take place in the next 12 months. Our third prediction is that the coronavirus pandemic will, in 2022, become endemic. What we mean by that is that vaccines and improved treatment options mean that COVID-19 is going to cease to be very life-threatening, particularly in the developed world, but the virus will remain present and even perhaps fairly common. Uh, And that worse than that, in, in a lot of the developing world, the lack of access to vaccines and antiviral drugs means that it'll continue to pose a substantial and economic health challenge. But it probably means that, uh, particularly in the developed world, that coronavirus is going to fade somewhat from the public imagination. Our fourth prediction is that Emmanuel Macron will win the French presidential election and that he will use the mandate to relaunch Europe. Our sense is that Macron will probably manage to prevail against all of his rivals, both those on the far right who are increasingly split between the charms of Marine Le Pen and Éric Zemmour, but even the more mainstream centre-right candidate of Valérie Pécresse. Lots of people will say that he won because of flaws in the opposition rather than because of his own political genius and the support which he's managed to engender in French society. But a win is a win. And I think it's very likely that uh, Macron will not just see this as a victory for centrism in France, but a setback for Eurosceptic forces and for populism around the continent. And we are therefore predicting that he will hug his German counterpart, Olaf Scholz, and the Italian Prime Minister, Mario Draghi, very close together, and that the three of them will proclaim a relaunch of the European Union. Not everyone will be entirely clear what this relaunch will actually mean, but we think it's pretty likely to happen, not least because the French presidential election will be taking place during the French presidency of the European Union, and that on its own will be seen as a reason for uh, proclaiming the the rayonnement of, uh, of, of Europe in the world empowered by the rayonnement of France within Europe. Speaking of the uh, defeat of populism, we our fifth prediction is that Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban will lose the Hungarian election uh, this spring. But following the Trump playbook, he'll claim that he actually won. Outside election observers will say they didn't. And he will improve upon uh, Trump's performance by actually remaining in power. And this will create uh, large street protests in Hungary and a crisis between Hungary and the EU as the EU attempts to save democracy in Hungary. So our sixth prediction is a doubling down on one of the predictions we made last year, which is that the nuclear talks with Iran will founder and we see prospects for continued escalation in Iran's nuclear program. The talks with Iran to restore the nuclear deal, we think will carry on being bogged down and will not really get to anywhere significant during the course of this year. But both sides are going to try and use the diplomatic process to 
increase the pressure on one another. And Iran will definitely continue its steady progress towards a nuclear weapon, which could have all sorts of unintended consequences or, or maybe intended consequences in the region with um, neighbours such as Israel making threats towards it, various attempts at sabotaging Iran's internal politics, renewed fears in Europe of, of Israeli or American strikes on Iran's nuclear facilities. So we think there'll be a lot of talk about the Iranian nuclear crisis, but very little diplomatic agreement. Our seventh prediction is the ever dangerous pinpoint surprise prediction. We're predicting that a faction within the Afghan Taliban will overthrow the Afghan government. Um, the reason for this is that Afghanistan will be in a throes of a massive and economic, economic and humanitarian crisis, which, is, which has already begun. Uh, and so a relatively more liberal faction within the Afghan Taliban will see this as the mechanism for finding support from the international community. They'll declare a break from the previous government and propose a somewhat slightly more conciliatory policy toward the international community. And international donors will respond because uh, they will be frustrated by the by the crisis there um, with vastly increased international aid. This is uh, not the type of prediction we usually like to make, uh, but uh, think how cool it will be if we're right. Our eighth prediction is that China's carbon emissions are not going to decrease or even notably decelerate. That doesn't mean that the Chinese rhetoric about meeting the challenge of climate change will, will disappear. But the gulf between its rhetoric and the reality of emissions within China will continue to grow. The government will try and conceal that by finding various obscure methods for uh, measuring emissions, which make it look like they're decreasing by continuing to promise to do better. And because the rest of the world are also likely to miss their Paris, Glasgow carbon reduction goals to 2022, not least the US and Germany with the current gas crisis uh, in the background, they probably won't complain too loudly about Chinese behavior. Our ninth prediction is that this lack of progress on reducing emissions in places like Germany will not um, stop protests against high energy prices and the uh, European Green Deal from erupting across much of the EU and the UK. We have the sense that uh, European politicians have perhaps underestimated the degree of opposition that exists to this in their countries. And uh, member state governments will respond, I think, to these street protests by blaming the EU and by lobbying Brussels for various exemptions from the Green Deal and especially the emission trading schemes expansion to transit and housework sec sectors, ignoring the fact that they will have agreed on these things uh, already in Brussels. This continues a sort of strong European tradition of blaming the of member state governments blaming the EU for things that they decided to do. Our tenth prediction is that the European Union's anti-coercion instrument will come into being. This is a really big deal, something that ECFR has been involved in pushing for for a long time, which is the idea that the EU should find a way of hitting back against attempts to weaponize the global economy uh, against us. It's something which we first started working on very seriously for our European sovereignty program. And when Donald Trump decided to withdraw from the JCPOA and introduce secondary sanctions against uh, European companies that were continuing to trade with Iran, 
but it is something which has taken on even more significance with the recent fights which various European governments have had with China, not least the Lithuanians who are facing um, economic coercion from them. So the second part of our prediction is that Chinese economic coercion will continue and maybe even uh, step up. And we think it's quite likely that uh, what has happened to Lithuania could happen to various other member states that cross Chinese red lines on issues such as Taiwan, Tibet, Xinjiang. And we think that as the year moves on, we'll see more and more debates about whether and how to apply this anti-coercion instrument, not just uh, to the US, but but to Chinese, to counter Chinese pressure and some practices which are aimed at many EU member states. Our bonus prediction for this year is uh, a real moonshot. It is that um, private space flight will suffer its first fatal accident. 2021 was the year that private space companies really came into their uh, into their own. But we think that they're due for um, a little bit of a comeuppance and that a U.S. space company will suffer the first fatal private space accident. And although Frankly, the private space industry's overall safety record will still remain very good. The very public loss of a former Star Trek cast member will spur calls for regulation and even renationalization of the space industry. So those are our predictions for 2022. Be great to hear whether you think, A, we were right in our assessment of our performance on 2021. Um, We think we were, but if you think we should have given ourselves more marks, then let us know. If you think we should have been tougher on our performance, do let us know as well. But also let us know if you think we've missed anything out for 2022. We um, are desperate to to hear what you think. You can write to me at mark.leonard at ecfr.eu and we will read out some of the best emails on our next podcast. We will be putting up a commentary version of the predictions that we've just made on our website at ecfr.eu slash podcast but we will also have some other recommendations because we still have our bookshelf segment left to do on this podcast before we end it jeremy what's on your bookshelf at the moment did you read any great things over the christmas and new year break yeah i've been reading um the the next novel by Amer Tolls, who I think I, I recommended on a previous podcast, A Gentleman in Moscow, which is one of my favorite books of 2021. But I think his uh, next book is called The Lincoln Highway, which I have to admit I'm not quite liking as much, but it is. Uh, so it's not a great recommendation, but it is a it is a really good book. And I think if you liked A Gentleman in Moscow, you should definitely pick it up. My aunt's reading A Gentleman in Moscow in German at the moment, but and, and seems to be enjoying it a lot as well. So there you go. I have not got very far with with my book, but I am enjoying um, it a lot. It's called Born in Blackness by Howard French. Uh, The subtitle is Africa, Africans and the Making of the Modern World from 1471 to the Second World War. And it's it's a very ambitious attempt at trying to reveal the central yet intentionally obliterated role that Africa played in the creation of, of modernity and is a really interesting way of, of actually retelling the, the history of the last few hundred years by somebody who spent a long time working in Africa as a correspondent for, uh, for the New York Times, but also has got a really great storyteller's ability, which, which really good journalists have 
and also spent a lot of time in in China. And that, I think, adds an extra dimension to his storytelling. And um, anyway, I think it's going to be a great book. I'm enjoying it a lot at the moment. So we will be very happy to read out any predictions that you want to share with us and, and our listeners in future podcasts. If you've enjoyed listening to us, please do subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you've used to download it from, whether it was Apple Podcasts or Spotify or um, any other platform that you use. And while you're there, it would also be much appreciated if you could give us a positive rating and review. But for now, from Jeremy Shapiro and myself, it's goodbye. We wish you a very happy 2022. We hope it will be better than 2021, not just in terms of the score that we get for our predictions, but the rest of your life in the year ahead. The researcher of this podcast is Lucy Halpenthal and our editor is Marlene Riedel.